the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along. We will talk with Josh Pick at bottom of the hour, Money Monday. Can't wait to ask him about the $100 raise we are all getting from the drop in gas prices, according to CNN. Spent the 11.30 to noon portion of the program uh, talking about uh, democratic understanding of economics, which is to say misunderstanding of economics, as they seem to believe that if the government pays for it, uh, you don't pay for it. No one pays for it. It's magic. However, I hate to crush their utopian view of things, but some taxpayer here in this country is paying for it if the government pays for it. And I expect them to forgive student loan debt coming up, which means that those who chose either to pay off their student loans or not to incur student loans will be paying the freight for people who took out student loans and didn't pay them back, which, aside from the economic stupidity of that, is a bad precedent to set from a personal responsibility standpoint. Whereas you need to be personally responsible for the things that you do in this life and cultivate that attitude, lest you come to the conclusion that your actions do not have consequences, because all actions have consequences. Not just economic consequences, which will certainly be the case if and when the Biden administration forgives however much student loan debt they choose to forgive. They're trying to figure out how much can we forgive so that we can buy votes to offset our losses in the midterm, yet not forgive so much that we tick off people who have to pay for loans they didn't take out or loans they already paid off. They have to pay off someone else's and thus prompt them to vote Republican and exacerbate our losses in the midterm. That is the question they are weighing at the Biden administration. But personal responsibility for consequences, as I said, shows up more than just in questions of buying windows, heat pumps, electric cars. By the way, I just have to ask one more bothersome, let's trace this back to its origin question. If we're going to go all electric in this grand future that the Biden administration has uh, charitably planned for us, where does electricity come from? What generates electricity? The Biden administration answer would be, see that plug in the wall over there? You just plug this in and electricity. That's their answer. My answer, your answer, would be, mm, wait, 
What if we dug into that wall where the plug is and traced what's in that wall to find out where it goes? Then we'd really find out where electricity comes from. Where would we, where would we end up if we did that? Well, we'd end up at a, at a substation. And what if we traced the wires from the substation? Where would we, where would we end up? Oh, we'd end up at a coal generating plant or at some other generation of electricity, something that produces electricity. What? What produces electricity? A little thing called friction. Friction produces electricity. Heat produces electricity. And so, ultimately, unless we decide to go with some as yet not widespread or perfected form of energy generation, we will be creating some issues in terms of uh, power generation that seem to be, on the surface, solved by reducing our dependence upon fossil fuels, but in fact, do not really do what the Democrats say they will do. Now, I digress. Consequences from actions. As I say, it does not only apply to economics, it applies to what else? Crime. We talk about it all the time. I think my words might be getting through to some of the wokesters in our city, including dispatch columnist Theodore Decker, who writes today about the 14-year-old boy who I told you about last week crashed his stolen car into the side of a garbage truck. That same 14-year-old boy, of course, was thrown from a rollover crash of a stolen Hyundai a couple of weeks before a rollover crash that killed two of his 14-year-old buddies and co-criminals. Theodore Decker is, well, I guess I must be super convincing because he is of the opinion that uh, this 14-year-old needs to be detained. Detained, not let out on his own recognizance, not put back on the street to steal another car. And uh, I was heartened by Theodore Decker's perspective on this, but I read too far. Because when we get down to the end of Theodore Decker's column, he says, detention has been cited as the cause of increased recidivism, big word, means ongoing crime, more arrests, more criminal activity, repeat offenders, that's what it means. Detention, meaning putting them behind bars, has been cited as the cause of more crimes. So putting them behind bars leads to more crimes. Isn't it harder to commit a crime when you're behind bars? What what do you get, like a, a, a night pass to go out and commit more crimes? Oh, wait, Bruce, you don't understand the uh, complexities of the young mind once they get out of prison and they're bitter because they were put in prison and they've served their time, they'll go out and commit more crimes. Okay, yeah, I, I can follow your logic on that. So you what? Just rather let them not, not go in at all and just not learn a lesson at all about actions and consequences? Two things can be true at once. 
It can be true that, yeah, you put them in prison, there's a high repeat offender rate. I get that. I don't dispute that. But the option to just let them out and not put them in, that's not a good option either. Okay? Theodore Decker also writes that detention has worsened outcomes in both the child's education and future employability. Well, there's no reason for it other than the kid's own decision to worsen their outcome educationally. Because when you're behind bars, you've got all the time in the world to read books, study, better yourself. A lot of people have done that. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people have gone to prison and realized, man, I really screwed up my life. i got to get things in order here. I don't want this to be my life. Oh, there's a prison library. I can read books. I can learn. I can rehabilitate. So that's an option that they have. If they don't choose that option, there's nothing I bear responsibility for. That's their personal choice. Again, not to get educated when you have all the time in the world to be educated would be what? Another bad personal choice. And as for their future employability, yeah, it does cause, again, consequences for action. You get arrested, yeah, people, not everybody's excited about hiring somebody who's, let's say you're a store owner. Do you want to hire somebody who's been uh, found guilty of stealing? I think it's a prudent observation that if somebody has crossed the Rubicon on stealing something that didn't belong to them, maybe if you employ them, they're resistance to stealing something might be lower than a person who'd never been convicted of stealing. So I understand that too. Don't blame society for that. That's consequences for actions. And then this paragraph caught my attention. Theodore Decker writes, keeping children out of detention is best for them and their communities. The data bear that out. Let me be as kind as I can. Bunk. That is bunk that keeping children out of detention is best for their communities. It is not best for their communities. We kept juveniles out of detention uh, recently when they crashed a stolen car into uh, Vance's gun shop and went inside and stole guns. And now, last Sunday, it happened again. I don't know if it's the same kids. But if they, the first group provided a template for the second group. If the first group had been caught and the first group had been imprisoned and the first group was facing multiple felony convictions for stealing firearms in the commission of a felony, stealing a car, I think that you might be ingraining the idea that these kinds of things are things that the city of Columbus, Franklin County, will not stand for. What's going to happen to those stolen guns? Does anybody think Anything good's going to happen with those stolen guns? I wonder if the juvenile court judges who wrote the letter protesting Operation Game Over are under the delusion that those kids who stole cars and crashed them into a gun shop and stole the guns, they're probably just going to take those guns out and practice uh, target shooting or go deer hunting, right? Probably not going to use those guns to, I don't know, just a wild thought, steal more cars or commit armed robbery. And maybe shoot somebody. I've started to see a few Nan Whaley commercials on television. The Democratic candidate for governor in the state of Ohio. Uh, 
she appears to be needing to run a few more. As an Emerson College poll uh, says that Mike DeWine has a 16-point lead over his Democratic challenger, 49% to 33%. We'll see if the poll has anything to say about the J.D. Vance-Tim Ryan race. But first, I'd like to uh, welcome Joan in Dayton to the show. You can always call the show 844-TALK-989. Hello, Joan. What can I do for you today? Yeah, I just, um, I heard the, the I don't know if it was an article, I actually just kind of caught the tail end um, of what you were talking about when you were referencing um, maybe an article about... That was an editorial, in the, an editorial in the Columbus Dispatch, yes. Okay, yes. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to share some additional information um, that maybe might be helpful mm-hmm. um, with some of the topics in the article that it seems like maybe you were struggling with. Um, and so one organization that I think might be very helpful to direct you to would be the Annie E. Casey Foundation. Um, and they actually launched uh, the JDAI program, the Juvenile Detention Initiative, uh, Alternative Initiatives, JDAI, um, which quite a few counties here in Ohio are a uh, partner of. They have uh, kind of jumped into that initiative and agreed to do, and it kind of highlights those things that you were talking about as far as reducing those incarceration rates for juveniles. And um, there is a lot that goes into play there that you were kind of already talking about as far as development, um, brain development, why it's different for juveniles than it is for adults. Um, But you have to really think about the time period and the context and what things looked like years and years ago, or even a couple years ago. Why? Just a couple years ago. Do you think, let me um, ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Do you think, do you think teenagers who commit crimes are unclear on what is lawful or unlawful? Do you think teenagers are unaware of that? You talked about their brain development. I'm, I'm fully on board with that. I know the human brain is not, uh, the reason part of the brain is not developed until age 25. So I'm on board with that. But I think it, in terms of crime or no crime, do you think a juvenile or any person is unclear about what is right and wrong or what is lawful or unlawful? In some cases, yes. That so is you think there are kids statement. that are unclear about whether stealing a car is allowed or not allowed? Stealing a gun uh, is allowed or not allowed? No, Robbing that's a store? not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you look at Annie and Casey and the work they're doing with JDAI, what they're saying is if you take this kid that just stole a car and maybe it was their first time ever stealing a car mm-hmm. and we don't really stole that car, but then you put them in jail with a person that's stealing drugs. We haven't really given them any solutions to solve that problem going on in their home or deal with any of the trauma. Now we've put them in the same closed space with somebody that sells drugs. Yeah, so I get your I get your concern. Sell drugs. I get your concern, but here's my point. If a kid has stolen a car, that's way down the road of antisocial behavior. And I believe the first duty That is not the, true at all. <laughs> Well, I will just disagree on that because I believe the first I'm a duty of government. So I think as the professional here, I can say that that is not well, only a symptom of social behavior. Look, I, I understand the perspective you're coming at it from, and you uh, obviously don't have any interest in the perspective that I'm coming at it from. I believe the first duty of government is to protect well, the citizen. Actually, my reason for coming on this was to try to help educate you because it well, seemed like I, you had missing information. I, I, and so I was just trying can, to provide you from additional information. No, I, if you're not I'm, interested in being educated on the topic that you were talking talking about, then I have no interest in this conversation either. So thank you so much for being so close-minded, and have a great day. Okay, so this is the classic Democratic position, is that if you don't say yes to everything they say, then you don't want to be educated. No, I am educated on it. 
I'm perfectly educated because I have common sense that if you've stolen a car, her point is, that's not true, that a kid might not know that's unlawful behavior, antisocial behavior, unacceptable behavior. That is ridiculous. No matter where your degree comes from, no matter what training you've had, no matter what your experience is, it is not hard to stay out of the back of a police car. It just isn't, okay? Have you talked to police who repeatedly arrest the same juveniles for car thefts day after day, month after month? Have you seen the pictures of the kid when they pull him out of the car the first time and then the fifth time? Have you talked to a police officer who explains to you how depressing it is to do their job when the juvenile judges won't lock these kids up? And that the juveniles, the juveniles who are stealing cars, are laughing at grown-up police officers who are trying to explain to them that these kids are making choices that are going to ruin or end their lives. See, you claim, Joan, and people like you to have compassion for these kids, and you mislabel the perspective of people who want these kids to be punished not because we love to see other people punished, but because our objective is to see their lives changed. And we understand that unpleasant consequences for unlawful behavior is the best chance to get their attention and make them understand that, you know what? Stealing a car is not getting me to where I want to be in life. Dealing drugs is not going to get me where I need to go in life because I have to sit in prison or I have to sit in juvenile detention for a long period of time. If a kid steals a car and he's out hours later, what takeaway is he to be given other than must not be that much wrong with stealing a car? And this is so evident at an age Way in advance of when kids steal cars. Quick story. Years ago, I was working out. Mom comes out of childcare with her little two-year-old boy and daughter. Daughter races to the elevator, pushes the button. Little boy starts crying. He wanted to press the button. He's crying, he's crying, he's crying. Door opens, mom, daughter, son get in the elevator. Down they go to the bottom floor. Then I hear the elevator door open. And there they are again. Mom, daughter, son. And the little boy is still crying. And mommy says, okay, now you can press the button. And he goes over and he presses the button. And then he stops crying. And they get in the elevator and they're right away. And what lesson did mom teach the little boy? If you cry, if you throw a fit, if you don't obey me, if you don't acquiesce to other people who have a schedule and want to keep to it and want to do their thing, if you're more important than everyone else... If you cry, you'll get your way. So you don't even have to steal a car to know that lesson. And people like you, Joan, who claim to care about these kids, don't care about them at all. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep doing what they're doing. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.